Welcome back to your favorite new podcast, Wild Quincy. Chris Ketters here with Travis Hoffman. Travis, we have done 12 episodes, and we are now at uh, the season review of season one. Can you believe it? Yeah, are we going to record it this time? Are we going to record it? Wait, this oh, time? We, we put out 12 episodes? I haven't been listening. Is that right? <laughs> no, of course. No, you're, you're right, Chris. No, this is a. Uh, it's a little wild looking back. It's one season in the books. It was. Uh, God, was it uh, February? When was when did we first start talking? January, about January, January. Man, yeah, we're, we're seven months into this now. We've had a ton of downloads. We've had a ton of people responding. Well, of course, we have uh, Patreon members, which is uh, awesome. We'll talk about that later. But it's been an amazing uh, seven months and a great first season, and and even a sneak peek of season two coming your way a little bit later. We'll talk about that. But uh, Travis, we got a lot to talk about because we've, as you mentioned, covered a ton of different subject matters uh, everything from a blind murderer to talking about uh sports you know we've, right. we've covered it all <laughs> no it's been a wild wild journey from that uh, first conversation you had talking about doing the quincy podcast and we did it we did season one if everything goes to crap we at least got that season one in the books guys <laughs> Feels, we can at least say good. we did something, right? <laughs> Feather in our hat. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, we're going to get together tonight. We're going to talk about the episodes, go through, if we have any uh, little ancillary information to throw in there regarding maybe a correction, maybe just some insights that are behind the scenes of, of that episode, and just kind of do a little recap, I guess. Well, let's kick it off, because we got 12 episodes to cover, and let's uh, let's get to it. So, Travis, we start out with one of our most popular episodes being the very first episode, and we, of course, have to thank St. Francis Church for uh, sending that out, because they uh, definitely helped us get uh, exposure with that very first they episode. Did. Also, props to the school sisters of Notre Dame, who included the episode, uh, linked to the episode in a press release on their official website about Sister Theotima, if you'll remember, was one of the sisters who you know lost her hands trying to save the children. She was a part of the School Sisters of Notre Dame. And again, if it wasn't for the School Sisters of Notre Dame and their archivist I dealt with, think it wouldn't have been nearly as in-depth of a story of the human element. You know, a lot of it's the news and there's a lot of color in there. Everybody that I heard in the comments regarding that episode, most people heard about it. You know, it's lore that's lived on through not only the church, but also the school. And you see how that story has become a part of almost a family story. This one person, uh, Paul Gears, G-E-E-R-S, Gears, I think it is, wrote on Facebook, my great-great-uncle was the first guy there. His daughter was in the play but was saved. Just all these, you know, his grandfather and great-grandfather and brother brought down bodies to the street. I mean, this affected so many more people's lives who were there who passed on those stories. And it kind of started coming out of the woodwork of just how far reach a traumatic event like this has, not only in the families that were directly affected, but those who were even just there that day. And it was pretty eye-opening for me, Chris. It goes to show, too, and I always find this, I don't know, weird's not the right word, but it's just, it's just very odd that even look at 
I, I don't want to throw this out in the first five minutes of this episode, but you know, take a look at like 9-11, for example. When it first happened, it was such a big thing, but as time goes by, it fades away. And you know, former generations would say the same thing about Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was such a huge event in American history, but us in today's world that were born in the 70s or 80s, it's not as prevalent of a thing as it was back then. And it kind of goes to the same in more of a local level talking about the St. Francis School fire. It was such a prevalent piece of the history of the city of Quincy and it was talked about for so many years after that event happened but as time goes by those things start fading away and fading away a little bit more and so for us to have the opportunity to go back and look at such a significant event in the history of the city of Quincy with this fire really says a lot and it kind of at least brings back some of those uh some of those things that so this history is not forgotten. So it's, it's right. neat that we're able to start our season with that. And that's the thing with most of these historical accounts, Chris, is that that time has passed. And a lot of times it's 100 plus years since it happened. But there's still you know fragments of that history still around us today. You go to St. Boniface Cemetery where the girls and the memorial are. Visit that. I mean, that's not just a story in the newspaper. These are the graves. Um, you can potentially see an example of what the hearses would have looked like right now if you go down to the the uh, at the John Wood uh, a mansion there. The livery across the alleyway has an old funeral um, coach, basically, like the bodies of the girls would have used. So, you know, this history is gone technically, but there's still a lot of pieces out there, and that's why I get a lot of you know enjoyment on this podcast and looking into history is finding those little elements that help bridge the now and then and kind of put it in a perspective where you can still help wrap your mind around something like that. Yeah, and it's, and it's a perfect example because if you go to John Wood Mansion and you go take a tour of the mansion and you're looking at the livery where this thing's at, you would just think, oh, it's just some sort of funeral hearse. But then once you put some of these stories to to that you start getting a little bit more of appreciation of of what that value of that uh, historical artifact is that you know it has this significance going back to certain events such as this thing that happened at the St. Francis School so it, it helps the history it definitely helps process the history of what those things and are and i was pleasantly surprised doing the research on that story chris that St. Francis School and probably church as well have a kind of endowment fund called the the 12 little angels fund that's based off that where that you know they have a certain allotment i think that helps with a tuition expense to saint francis so it's great to see that the legacy carries on not just us kind of bringing it back in from the history but just in the day-to-day that is you know those girls memories aren't completely lost so that but that's great to see happening Uh, so speaking of uh, things that have kind of disappeared in the history books we move on to our second episode talking about freddie lieb and travis this is an episode where you brought (laughs) to me and i never heard of this story before and and we were very fortunate to have nancy benz come on who did a lot of research about uh, this story and uh, if you haven't heard it's about the the boy who uh, was kidnapped or possibly murdered and uh, kind of filled in some of the blanks not only did we do a about a 45 minute episode we also did an hour long Patreon episode and then another hour long video there was so much information about this Freddie Lieb story and it seemed like it kept building it's a story that kept the research kept giving and giving I tell you I did a lot of research 
John Freddie Lieb about 10, 12 years ago when I was working on a Q-Town website I ran with kind of a blog about local history. And then I ran across, you know, Nancy's blog, and that's how we brought her over to be a guest. And so I had somewhat of a background on the story already, and we thought it may be more interesting to get someone else's perspective on this as well, and that's why we elected to bring Nancy in. And it's a story that wouldn't die in my head, and I kept going back to the well on the research. And I don't know how many times after the fact I ran across a weird little snippet of history where maybe I was utilizing a different, like, newspapers.com has a wealth of information from a nationwide standpoint that I, I would get into these weird little strings. And before I knew it, I had this whole additional backstory that was coming hmm. out. And I was we were in this weird position of, well, crap, we already did the episode but this is still relevant. How do we supplement this? And that was the whole, what is probably, what, 48 minutes, an hour-long YouTube video that we we have available for free on our Patreon site. I still am haunted by that, Chris. I, I think it's such a crazy <laughs> story of of this kid disappearing and potentially coming back well into his you know 40s and 50s, but not being able to prove his identity. And... You know, I was I was super skeptical that these mystery people coming out in the woodwork later in life could actually be this boy. But the more I went down that rabbit hole, the more I became more convinced that there's this whole cacophony of conspiracies going on in this family. And it was quite a wild ride. I encourage you to go check out the rest of that content if that it all sounds interesting. There's just so much <laughs> to go through on that. It seemed like when we talked about that, it was very, very questionable of did he live or did he die? Yeah. You know, you come down that road. But, you know, the more you think about it, it really comes down to thinking about was there really an, any incentive if it was somebody that knew the boy to murder the boy or would it have been easier, to, especially in that time frame? Because what right. that was like 1860s. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember the date, but it was the late 1800s. Yeah. 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 So so you're looking at, you know, a time period where it's very easy to like very easy to move somebody and not know where that kid came from. I mean, it's as simple yeah. as you could move a kid to uh, Philadelphia and you could say, oh, this is my sister's kid and my sister passed away. And so now I'm taking over him, you know, that he's mine, you know, I'm, I'm raising him. And so it's so much easier back back then right. than it is in current world where you can't do that. Obviously, uh, there's going to be questions raised in today's world where we're not so much back then. We had a few questions and comments that I thought were interesting. One was from a listener, Kelly. Unfortunately, I don't have a last name. But she mentioned there was a, a one of the characters of many characters in this story was a woman of the last name Bird, who was allegedly involved with Freddie's father, kind of on and off, ended up marrying Freddie's father after his divorce from his first wife. There was speculation from Kelly that what if this Bird lady was actually Freddie's biological mother? In the grand scheme of things, that's why maybe she would be in on this plot to, you know, quote unquote, you steal him, kidnap him when maybe it's more taking what's rightfully hers in her mind. Right. And, you know, to build off that, uh, Chris Dodge Earhart um, mentioned on Facebook, I believe, uh, you know, this is crazy. She keeps on wondering if any kind of DNA could be done. And we thought the same thing, Chris. You know, we really got curious to what kind of if you could build any additional answers based off descendants of these people, but everything's so fuzzy, at least from what I was able to see on like ancestry.com on who is who and the lineage of descendants. 
But more more than one time, we've had the question about you know how DNA could play into maybe solving some of these cases that are hundreds of year old via descendants. Whether that's mm-hmm. possible or not, we don't really know. But it, it's an interesting to look at it from today's standpoint of tools and assets we have versus what they just didn't have access to back then. And if it's not today, in the future, it definitely will be. You can see technology right. is progressing rapidly. So fast, yeah. We've had this discussion, even with the our Lost Boys podcast, about that You know, stuff that we're going to be doing is things that in 50, 50 years ago would never even been thought of. And, and it's those things that are available in today's world. So again, who knows, in another 25, 50 years, some of that stuff may not even require a, a swab yeah. in the mouth. It may be much more simpler than that. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, Freddie Lieb's story, probably out of all of our episodes, and maybe John Lou Miller to be an exception to that rule. But I think between those two, you had a lot of research time put into Boy, that, a lot of rabbit holes. And it was almost like I, I felt a little like, you know, red string on pushpins in the basement, you know, all these this weird <laughs> rabbit holes I went down. And it's still I still think about that a lot. So I might go back to that well at some someday. I, I just really totally feel like there's going to be future Travis Hoffman books coming out. <laughs> I really do. It just seems like you're priming yourself to be an author someday, Travis. Well, don't hold your breath, but anything's possible, Chris. <laughs> well, we move on and we go to a subject. And before we talk about episode three, we, of course, we had a lot of fun doing this one because, again, we do these lineups to where it starts with a timer place is the first category. Then we go to a true crime one, which was our Freddie Lee. Then we get to have a little more fun. And this was our first fun episode. And who better to bring on than Chad Douglas, former KHQA anchor and reporter. And we really enjoyed having Chad on. Hope I don't offend him or upset him in saying this, but he loves the podcast world, and, and now he's starting to dip his toes into the podcast. I'm anxious world. to see how that develops. We won't we won't spill the tea on anything, but it sounds like he may may be having an appearance in the the podcast world soon. Yeah, so we'll, hopefully once he gets everything lined up, we'll we'll give these guys some more details about that. We're really excited to see Chad jumping in on this. We know for sure. We've already talked to him. He'll be back maybe even next season. Season as we dig into some other stuff, we had such a fun time with Chad. He's got such a great energy. He always he brings Chris. He he brings you know this this wit and just this uh, passion. It seems you know. And it really enjoyed having him on. It was a real pleasure to have Chad. I think the funniest part about that whole episode was when we had kind of a like backhanded discussion about who really is considered a famous Quincy and that they lived in <laughs> the Quincy. line on defining Quincy and was very, <laughs> very uh, broken down and dissected. And f- there were a few moments where Chad was like, Hey now, yeah, Hey now you can't, that don't worry. He's that like, you're work, the so. host. So I'll let you slide by <laughs> with this one. I, you know, it's funny. I listened to the, all these episodes leading up to us doing this review. And I laughed really hard when he got on me about John Henry being from Paloma. I know. But if you really think about it, even though Father Tolton was in Quincy, he was technically from Rawls County. So, I mean, if we want to get real in the weeds here, I could still go back and chat about. I still stand behind all everybody on that episode. But but yeah, Chad was definitely he was he was he was kind of like teacher teacher. Can we have more homework, please? He was very very wanting to make sure we had the definition and was not shy about calling us out, which I appreciate. Oh yeah, so we had a great time with Chad. The only thing I want to point out 
with that episode. I don't know if you have anything, uh, Travis. But the only thing I got nothing on that. I want to point out, I made a mistake, and I realized it right after I said it, but I didn't correct myself. When you brought up D.A. Wyvern as one of the famous Quincyans, I mentioned that my mom graduated school, high school with him. That was not correct. She went to grade school with him because I think okay. he graduated okay. from Notre Dame, and then she graduated from Payson. So I mean, that was more of a technical like if my aunts or uncles were listening they're going to be like that's not right i wanted to make that correction avoid any family drama at the next uh, <laughs> right. next gathering be like you know you were wrong about that right uh no so so i just want to point that out. da was with my mom in grade school at one of the uh, catholic schools in the quincy area so uh well you'll sleep a little better tonight chris knowing you got that, <laughs> right. that deep dark secret <laughs> off your chest <laughs> speaking of deep dark secrets travis thanks for that segue we turn to bars and churches for episode four and uh the deep dark secret being that so the question of was there more bars or more churches travis there was not a whole lot of information i could add to what we had because the the details i thought we presented was something that was so unique and so special because again we've talked about this before it's been talked about so much why is there so many churches why are there so many bars it was really neat to finally break down those stats and take a deeper look at why exactly those numbers exist today yeah, Chris, you did a great job on finding an analytical approach to something that is so much just a dialogue, usually. And that dialogue continued in a big way through Facebook. I want to call out, you know, there's a Facebook group called If You Grew Up in Quincy, Illinois, or You Grew Up in Quincy, Illinois, If. And that's, you know, one we, we often go to to just get input on because there's such a great community on Facebook of people. And we often share kind of our podcast because it seems to be a one-to-one relationship of interest most of the time. We're not just randomly link bombing people. <laughs> but uh, a lot of discussion of, that we're talking about tonight came off that. And there was quite the discussion off the whole bars and churches. When I posted the episode, Chris, I asked for uh, what were your favorite bars, you know, growing up, your hangout spots, your home church? And there were more than 160 comments. Wow. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and it was just so fun. Mostly it was all the comments about, you know, all the bars that they used to hang out with, and they were tagging people left and right. And you could just see all this really cool reminiscing that was going on of the local tavern, the local watering hole, and just these fun little little stories and passing notes and, you know, it's that kind of stuff like that's so cool, you know, that, you know, maybe maybe our episode didn't exactly prompt all that nostalgia. But, you know, in the question of the episode that we posted to have that dialogue is, is fun. And that's kind of a fun way to rehash fun times that we, we want to remember in our lives. One other quick note from a Mark Esnault. Moved in here in 17, or excuse me, moved in. <laughs> That'd be a little <laughs> wow. early. Yeah, old guy, old guy. Looks good, though. Looks great, Mark. No, moved here in 1979. The numbers of bars were far greater then. Talks about a lot of those were first a bar and a grill, and as time progressed, most of them lost the grill side, sure. and it became more bar-centric. So, you know, from that perspective, the whole number of bars maybe didn't shift a whole lot, but there could have been a whole lot more local you know, cheeseburgers going down with those beers on the corner tavern. So, yeah, it seems to be a little bit of a firsthand observation of the changing of times from Mark. We appreciate that. And the only thing I will add to that, and again, I didn't get enough time. And again, we've talked about this history of the city of Quincy, Illinois book that's really hard to read. And I was trying to skim through it. We're not exactly sure about some of the details. And hopefully within the next 
couple seasons, we'll come back around to something like this where we talk about it more specifically about exactly which church was first. Because in the Gym City First episode, we'll talk about in a minute, there was some questions even from Rodney about which church was first. Yeah. And there may have been something even before we were aware. So if you want to make one possible correction out of anything, it may be the idea that the uh, church that was the first existence may have not have been exactly what we were talking about in that episode. But hopefully, as we continue our research and work towards uh, future episodes, we'll be able to take a look at that. But something I think we can wrap up with a nice pretty bow on it is our episode five, talking about the World Free Fall Convention, Travis. That was a six-page outline <laughs> that took yeah, a while to boy. get through. <laughs> lot to process on that one, Chris. There was only one correction we wanted to make on that, and that had to do with who was the first co-founder, because we know Don Curlin was heavily involved throughout the whole process. And we go back to 1986 when there was another gentleman that was a co-founder with Don. And Travis, you have the name of that guy. Yeah, uh, some one of our listeners was kind enough to uh, mention on our, our website the name Roger Nelson, and I, I believe that to be the name. We could, you know, if we're wrong, let us know. That's the thing about everything. We want to be corrected if we do say something that's incorrect. Roger sadly passed away in 2003 from a skydiving accident, it sounds like. So it looks like Roger Nelson was was that man's name from what we were able to gather, Chris. Besides that, it seems like everything else was pretty legit. The only thing I will point out real quick, I did mention at the end of the episode that we were looking on getting a, a thesis that was done by a, a student about the death that happened either in 2000 or 2001. Unfortunately, I never heard back from them, so I wasn't right. able to figure that information out. But there was so much rich history with the World Free Fall Convention. And, and again, as we mentioned before, who knows? Maybe someday it'll make its return to Quincy, just like, you it's, know, Grand Prix did and all those other yeah, things. Crazier things have happened. But through the social networks, Chris, there was a lot of people who recalled the the fun and the wild things that did go down in Tent City. So we weren't just blowing smoke. There were a lot of firsthand accounts of the more questionable activities. Uh, as well as a lot of people recounted, you know, doing tandem jumps out there. So, again, a lot of reminiscing. Um, people seem to really, you know, have a lot of fun, <laughs> some legal, some not. And it's part of the history, whether you like it or whether you don't. That's, that's Quincy, man. Definitely is. So that it's was a wild. great episode. It's a wild. Uh, that was the the evidence of a yes. wild yes. location for sure during the World Free Fall Convention in Tent City. I, I did mention, I, I and I, we didn't talk about it on the Patreon either. My brother worked out there during that time period and worked for Heatco, which was the gas company out there. So he fueled up planes when he was working out there. And I never Busy got a guy chance. that time of year, yeah. Yeah, I never got a chance to really dig into to some of his background stories, but most likely those stories would not be able to make it into the public episode <laughs> of our Wild Quincy podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> so that wrapped up, uh, actually started the uh, second rotation of our categories. And the next episode was our midway point of our season one. And that talks about a kid back in 1995 by the name of Michael McCluskey. And we dug deep into this story with none other than Jennifer McIntyre, former WGM reporter and anchor. She spent 12 years at WGM, and this was one of her first reporting stories that had to do with a court case, and this was quite a heavy hitter. You could list that episode, a lot of great details there. Jennifer recounts a lot of the great information. But Travis, I didn't mention why we did that episode, and the reason we did that episode came because... I did an essay at John Wood Community <laughs> College 
in my English 102 class with Mr. Terry, and it had to do with, maybe it was 101, I don't remember. I was 18 at the time when I did that story. He gave me an A on that report, and reading it today, he probably didn't read that report, that essay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I read it, and I'm like, I don't even understand this. How did you give me an A? But nonetheless, I got an A. Uh, But I think it was kind of funny to go back and look at the reason why we really started that. It was something that stuck with me because Travis, he was was our age too. Uh, So, I mean, we were real close in age to what he was. I didn't know him uh, personally. So it was one of those stories that really kind of hit close to home. And one of the things I did want to mention about that story, we didn't get them till after the episode aired, but we had some information that came from the Jacksonville Public Library. Uh, Again, throw out, and we, we probably mentioned them multiple times before the end of this episode, but the Quincy Public Library is an amazing resource. We cannot give them enough praise. They went the additional step for myself and Jennifer, who was in there as well doing some research. They went the additional step and contacted Jacksonville and asked them to look up their newspaper articles regarding this specific case and Jacksville came back and sent us about five or six newspaper articles. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of information that we didn't already know, but Travis, there was two things that I don't think we ever really mentioned in the episode. So I kind of want to hit hit them up real quick. One of the things was when the fire started. We know it was really early in the morning. We don't know the specific time. However, we do know that it was around 245 that Michael went over to the neighbor's house. So it puts that fire before 245. So somewhere between 2 and 2.30 probably in the morning on December 8th. And uh, the other thing that really caught me, and I forgot about this, I remember him saying this back in the newspaper articles back in the day. Michael was quoted as saying when he went to the neighbor's house, he said, my mom and dad are dead. I can't get them out. Hmm. Pretty Hmm. odd the kid would say that that especially with the story in the background and stuff but there was also another point in that uh one of the articles that talked about one of the neighbors who swore up and down that he was not that type of kid to do something like that which was kind of odd for them to say but those are two of the interesting facts traps i didn't know if you came across anything along that yeah you know this was an interesting story from the perspective that it's pretty fresh overall, historically speaking, as opposed to these stories that happened in the late 1800s. Yeah. People remembered this and remembered it well. A lot, there was 40 plus comments on Facebook regarding this. And a lot of people had additional little insights that added a lot of color to the black and white facts. One of the people was actually lived across the street and was woken up, you know, because of the fire and could even feel the heat of the fire. There were some some stories about Michael, you know, stealing toys in the neighborhood. A little bit of an account about Michael's father. I, I guess he worked at Boatman's Bank in the maintenance area and was very quiet. You know, just just interesting little tidbits. Nothing that really changes anything or adds anything of great value, but it just adds more perspective and and color to the story, which uh, you know you don't always have the luxury of, especially on these older stories. So it's just something that's so fresh in everyone's mind still that everybody remembered this and had a lot of details. It's a very odd case. And as the seasons come along, we're going to have more of these cases that are not only difficult to to listen to, but they're also going to be uh, going to tug at the heartstrings. We got some really 
big ones coming up. And I'm sure most of you guys that uh, especially grew up in the Quincy area in the 80s and 90s are going to remember some really tough ones that we're going to be hitting up in future seasons. McCluskey is no different. Uh, when you have that family go through that sort of struggle, it's yeah, uh, it was horrible. really tough. So, Travis, we move on to our fun episode, and this was about Jim City First. We are very lucky to bring in none other than former Quincy Herald Whig reporter Rodney Hart. And, man, we had a fun time with Rodney. Absolutely. Rodney, not only in the newspaper, but also has been so active in the Quincy music now with second string music. I was just in there today playing his new amazing Yari acoustic. It's like the upper echelon of guitars, Chris, and it's beautiful. No, he, he, he always brings it in anything he does. And being being a guest for Gem City First was certainly no exception. If you only have the opportunity to listen to one Patreon episode, that would be the episode to listen to. Because even though we had a lot of fun talking about the Gem City First, when we got him on Patreon, he started to open up a little bit more for us and started giving us a little bit more insight into the newspaper world and media. And boy, Travis, we had some of the most interesting conversation we went deep we, we went deep we started with a shovel and needed a ladder when we were done <laughs> uh it was it was a good time definitely you know i think i think it's one of those episodes that is would definitely be fun to swing around on again catch it again because there's so many random fun little tidbits of first basically anything with the word first was fair game so you have there were so many that i don't remember what i did and didn't do from the list we could always go back to that well again chris it was a great episode and that was the basics of it so we just if the word first in it and the word quincy in it was in there we could bring it up so it was everything from the first bluebird nests in quincy to uh the first drive-in uh, or the first uh no it was the first delivery uh, food delivery yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah first delivery, delivery service all those so if you haven't checked that out make sure to check that out i only had one mistake travis and it was kind of a big one unfortunately i wasn't able to find information out because it's going to take some deep diving but i could tell you i had it wrong i mentioned that the first Quincyan to receive a medal at the Olympics was Karen Kemner. That is not correct. She is not the first one to receive a medal. We go back, and I don't have the specific date. I do know it was a gentleman, and we're looking into the 1930s that oh, there was wow, a Quincyan okay. that received a medal in the Olympics. And once we get that information, probably in some future episode, we'll pass it along. But I came across that randomly. I think somebody brought it up to me because I brought up Karen. And they're like, no, no, no. It was uh, this uh, janitor at some place in the 1930s. I'm like, oh, okay. So we got to dig into that. So that is uh, something we'll bring to you in a future episode. But Karen, of course, a, a big part of Quincy and still of the areas she's yeah. uh the coach over at Culver. You know, let, let that take nothing away from her accomplishments. Oh, uh, for just, sure. Somebody was a little earlier on our radar than we, it wasn't on our radar, perhaps would be a better way to say it. So <laughs> right. we'll, we'll try and fill in those mystery uh, information as we proceed down this wild Quincy adventure. So we move on to episode eight, and this is the one where we did a little adventure. Travis <laughs> is probably the first one we've actually had to physically go to a location to do yes. our research and our evidence review. I was so so skittish of going down there, Chris, because I didn't want to get in trouble because <laughs> I was afraid that a local farmer would show up with a shotgun or we'd end up in jail. My mind always takes me to the worst possible scenario. And Chris did plenty of coaxing to <laughs> yes. get us down to the levee, and uh, which I, I, I highly thank you for your encouragement there. Yes. But we did. We, we went down to the levee and sat there and we 
saw a weird light, man. Yeah. It was a little different. A little different. One of the things we haven't really talked about on the regular podcast we talked about on the Patreon is that when we did our special fun night with our Patreon members, we did the Pup Pike Golf, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we also did some levee walking and we went out there and spent some time out there. They did see a light. It wasn't the same as what Travis and I saw. It was more it looked like a brake lights kind of reflecting on yeah. the levee. Uh, but it was seen, so it was something that was kind of unique because it was at towards the end of the levee. But again, not exactly what we saw that night. But It was, it was an idea. Experience. The lightning bugs were not there when we first went down, and their presence definitely put put us at a disadvantage. Just so much continuous luminosity of that light from the lightning bugs alone i think with if that would have been the case when we first went down i don't think we would have seen the light that we saw with everything else yeah. going on yeah. so it could have been something more that we just couldn't make out i think i don't think we're done i don't no. think we're done with the levy walker yet i was just getting ready to say the exact same thing this time of year we went down there for our uh, patreon outing was not a good time of the year you had bugs you had lightning bugs yeah uh, you had the tr- uh, leaves on the trees so it wasn't an ideal time i think we need to take a look at this at a fall winter time frame and see Absolutely. what kind of difference you see down there because a winter time frame on the levee may have a completely different look uh, than what it does during the spring and fall well so. this this the second time we went down with our wild thing patreon supporters uh chris you brought out some ghost hunting equipment from you dusted off from your ghost hunting adventure closet and there were some mixed results. I don't think you were too sold on anything definitively. But uh, recap what we saw there. Yeah, we we put out some different equipment, uh, some electromagnetic equipment, uh, some static electricity equipment. And this, there was a static electricity piece of equipment that kept getting hits. But it's very, very sensitive. Like a, a fly could literally get right. within like three feet of it and it would make it go off. So I questioned if maybe there was some natural element that was involved with that. That thing did continuously go off. I, I if I was gonna put my my ghost hunting experience to work here, I would say that was not a paranormal experience, but it was something that was pretty much either normal or something natural that was occurring that happened that made that stuff happen. I will tell you, however, there is about two hours worth of audio that has not been listened to. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That I had, was running a recorder. And I will throw this out there. I know there's a lot of people that listen. If somebody wants to listen to the audio for me and go through it, I will more than happily upload that video audio and you guys can take a listen. We don't have anything it. incriminating on there, do we, Chris? <laughs> no, we were with Patreon members. <laughs> okay. I think we're okay. So, uh, yeah, so take a look. The only other correction I want to make, Travis, not even a, really a correction, something we caught within that episode that we later on learned, we talked about Mormon Park and we talked about the Putt Putt Golf Course. Remember, I believe it was either that episode or the episode before we had a Boyer Shoe Repair right. ad, uh, right. throwback ad. We talked about the Red Barn, which was the Putt Putt Golf that was right sure. next to there. We assumed and we thought which is still probably true that some of the stuff that was at that putt putt golf went out to Mormons <laughs> not uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Which it may have, but then they did an update not too long yeah. ago out there. And now none of that stuff is no nothing. There. There. Nothing, nothing like that. Yeah. I was totally off my rocker when I threw that out there. 10, 12, 20 years ago, that might've been the You're case. Right. 
Definitely not anymore. Yeah, um, but it's still a great place to, to putt-putt. I think we had a great time with our Patreon members out there. I do think we may adventure because, Travis, this will be a new one for me. Uh, the Scotty's Fun Place has a putt-putt golf course. And oh, I, yeah. I maybe if with never seeing that course before, maybe it'll be a little bit more of a challenge for me. <laughs> it's a good course. I've done it at least once. This is the thing. The Patreon members get the first dibs or sometimes the only dibs at these kind of adventures that we do. So if you're on the fence about becoming a wild thing yourself on the Patreon side, you know, we would welcome you with a warm embrace. Go check it out. Uh, there's a link to it on wildquincy.com, Patreon. A couple bucks a month will get you bonus episodes and these kind of first uh, first class invites, these fun little adventures, which more are in the future. Yes, absolutely, because we had a blast doing those. So we move on to our last rotation, and this one was a fun one. Uh, it was, even though it was a time or place category, it was still a fun category to discuss because there was so much detail, and that has to do with fires in the Quincy area. And there's a couple things I want to point out here, Travis. We talked about in the episode, I believe it was the number two costliest fire in Quincy had to do with the Quincy City Hall. And also uh, there was a Schultz Saddlery was also involved with that fire. And we had a question of why did the Quincy City Hall move? And we still don't have a definite answer as to why City Hall moved, but it's still very odd. Travis, you brought up in that episode that maybe they needed more room. And we talked about it on Patreon. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I think, honestly, what they're in today is smaller than what they were back in in the 1930s. So that's something to consider. But also, we talked about where it's located. And that building, the City Hall, the first floor of City Hall, the old City Hall, is still in existence today on 3rd Street, right? Yeah, uh, props to, I think it was uh, Wild Thing Amanda who pointed that out to us. Or if it wasn't, I apologize to whoever did. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it was kind of eye-opening to me. I've driven by there a million times and never put two and two together. Then when I started looking at the old photos and comparing it to the Google Map little screenshots you get, it's obviously the building, you know, the first floor. Mm -hmm. And that's another one of these instances, Chris, where the past is still hiding right in front of our eyes sometimes. And that's neat little discoveries I love like that. So we move on from that to our episode 10, talking about the blind murderer and John Lou Miller. And uh, Travis, boy, another one of those heavy hitters where you've done a lot of research. I know you said in the episode you had like 12 hours of research in on this. Uh, was there anything else that you had to add on to that episode? It's funny, Chris. Sometimes these episodes like Freddie Lieb, there's another couple people who have at least thrown their hat in the ring on at least talking about this or writing about this or bringing it into the future. This is one of these rare cases, well, maybe not rare, it's one of these cases where nobody was talking about this. People that lived in that area had no idea it ever happened. So you know, I'm not I'm not looking for a kudos from anyone, but we really kind of <laughs> kudos, Travis. Kudos. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll, I'll gladly take them. I wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. <laughs> it's one of these stories that was on, I think on the brink of being forgotten, and I love being able to have some role and help bring that into the the forefront. Again, it's just a story until you start seeing these existing clues that this happened. You know, these were real people. Two people died. And I was able to go out and visit their graves, you know, that probably don't see many visitors. And a lot of people were kind of on the fence. Did this guy do it? Was it a setup of the blind guy? 
Chris, you kind of were of the positioning and the men- the mentality that it was not him, but rather he was framed. I'm not as convinced, but there was a kind of a pretty good split on what people were thinking. And, you know, it could have gone either way. That's it's such a ringer. I don't know if we'll ever know for sure what happened with uh, with Lou Miller. But boy, that was quite a story in in the end. Yes, it was. And uh, again, a future Travis Hoffman book coming out. uh, (laughs) John Lou Miller, The Blind Murderer. I do want a little credit for the title. You can take all the credit as the author, but you need to give me. Let me do the forward. I'll do the forward yeah, for your book. Yeah, you do the right? forward. All right, I'll, I'll do give the you forward. that. All right, sweet. Uh, so we move on to our next uh, and our last fun episode for season one, and that is sports with Chris Dewar. And uh, hopefully, you guys noticed that there was a little bit of a play on words because we tried to uh, try making it like it sound like the beginning of a newscast where they were like. Chief Meteorologist Rich Kane in sports with Chris Dewar. Uh, so that was our idea with uh, the name title. We had a lot of fun. We appreciate Chris coming on. It was uh, funny because uh, of our background, first of all, but then funny also because he is so busy that we literally had to do it really early on a Sunday morning because that was literally the only time right. he had available. <laughs> We're typically more night owls on the recording side, just peek behind the scenes. But yeah. we really appreciate that. Nothing to, nothing to correct. Uh, Chris does an awesome job. I do think... Uh, uh, we will have future episodes that have to do with sports. He mentioned it. I, hopefully, uh, Matt Shuckman, if he's listening, uh, we are going to be calling you at some point in time, probably to set up something. So be on the, the lookout. Man, for well, that. the man wrote the book on Blue Devil basketball, yes. literally. So yes. yeah, I I think we'll definitely be reaching out to Matt, who is now stretching his legs. Uh, Muddy River News. Props to him and Bob and everybody in that organization. They're doing some yeah. fun stuff over at Muddy River News. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's on our hit list. He's Matt, on the hit list, so be on the lookout <laughs> for that. Uh, so we move on to our season finale. It only happened in our couple weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago to be exact. And that has to do with UFOs. We brought in Terry Mosby, who is a MUFON member as well as uh, a, a paranormal researcher. And uh, had a great time talking with her. And now, Travis, right. there are some details we got to add because we... Didn't find some more information out. Yeah, yeah. You just started up here, and I'll, I'll fill in some some little tidbits too. First of all, I want to start with some of the stuff from the episode itself, Travis. I don't even know if you noticed this, or if anybody noticed it. Maybe me as an audiophile is the only person that noticed this. If you go back to that episode and go to about the thirty-one minute mark when Terry is talking, there is a very very weird sound, and it sounds hmm. like. So here's my two possibilities. It oh either boy. sounds like the some UFO kind of audio sound, or here's another crazy thought, is I think a three-lettered organization was listening to our Zoom call because <laughs> oh. it sounds like somebody what, clicks what in. The, what was the timestamp on that? Around case? 31 minutes. Uh, I'll be circling back on that later. Yeah, so okay. go listen to it right when Terry's talking. You'll hear like this really, really weird sound. And either it's an alien sound or it's somebody that's listening to the conversation. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I listened to that just in the last two days and I caught that. I was like, I got to remember that because why the heck was that there? And I bet you there were some people that were like, why did they put that weird alien sound in the 
that uh, episode at that point. That was not us. That is coming from the Zoom call. So listen spooky, to that at the 31 minute mark. Uh, second part I wanted to bring up, we didn't really talk about this on the regular episode, but we talked about it on Patreon, was uh, talking about UFOs and the, the different episodes and the different movies that came out and maybe how pop culture has changed how people feel about UFOs and maybe it's got a little stigma on it since uh, the movies and pop culture have happened. I don't know a lot about this stuff. I will put it in the notes. The first UFO movie officially that ever came out was called The Flying Saucer. And I believe it was in the early 60s it came out. I have not seen it, but that was kind of the kickoff to the UFO phenomena in movies and television. So if you get a chance, I think it's like a buck on Amazon Prime to watch. So you might want to check that out sometime. But we get to the big part, Travis, and that is my phone conversation with my brother that I just yes, recently had. Yes, we're all we're all curious to hear. Yeah, so I I was able to finally catch up with him, and uh, he I asked him, I was like, do you remember that? And he's like, I do. He said he was actually closer to around uh, maybe in his pre-teens to teenage years, so we're looking at probably somewhere in that time frame that uh that uh terry was mentioning with her brother so early 80s uh what we're looking at and he did say that for sure that it was a perfect circle this was a crop circle it was a crop your, your circle. family's farm correct it was a perfect circle it was in a wheat field wheat field okay and that it was first spotted by my grandfather first and then my dad really? saw it and then my brother saw it because they all went out to look at it and they said they've never seen anything like that since and then there of course there was talk later on that uh, the neighbors reported multiple neighbors did report seeing those lights in the field before that happened so yeah so add a little bit more uh, interest to the story but multiple people in my family saw that of course it's early 80s. They didn't think I need to get my phone out and take a picture. I don't know what they were thinking of why they didn't right, grab their right, phone. Right. Uh, but <laughs> they they never took any pictures, unfortunately, that we know of that we've come across so far. So that adds a little bit more. I just wanted to get confirmation on that. I didn't get a chance to ask him about those parties in, in the woods and things like uh, that. Well, um, some we'll for leave, season two. <laughs> right. We'll leave that for a season two episode. We I, I should convince him to come on and do a Patreon episode with us sometime. That, that would be fun. That would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, get some of those fun stories from back in the day. Uh, Travis, did you have anything on the UFO stuff? Nothing crazy. There were some some comments and chatter on on the Facebook social media groups. Bob Turek and Janice uh, Mintel both remembered hearing stories from Walt Andrus, Walt being one of the original people credited for the origins of MUFON and Quincy. And I guess back this was back when he worked for Motorola here in town. Uh, Brian Winking and Pam Harmon also recalled possibly seeing a UFO in 7th or 8th grade. They both saw something, um, potentially. A couple different stories involving Walt, actually. Walt often uh, <laughs> would eat dinner, I guess, or maybe maybe not dinner, but his meals at the Hy-Vee on Broadway. And anyone, anyone who was to ever ask Walt about the topic of UFOs, he was more than <laughs> eager to chit-chat on the topic. And just a lot of fun memories by Joseph Newkirk. Rainy, and I don't know how to pronounce this word, your name, I apologize, it's R-A-N-Y, Ryany, perhaps? Uh, commented Rainy. on the Rainy? Okay, yep. there you go. 
you see, they have a fun little comment here. Really enjoyed the show. Thank you. I grew up in Quincy and went to QHS. One night coming out of a play rehearsal to the parking lot, a group of us noticed a UFO uh, flittering around overhead. We watched it for a long time and even walked over and sat down in the grass and watching it move. Finally, we reported to the police, who basically just laughed at us. But the next day, there was a little article in the Herald Wig about it. I remember I still have that somewhere. My mom thought it was hilarious and kept the article. <laughs> Thanks for the show. So, wow. possibly things still happen. I didn't get a good idea on the time frame of when that was. I'd love to see what the uh, article would have been. But, Rainy, if you are listening, we'd love to see a, a, a copy of that article, make our yeah. way to wildquincy at gmail.com. Always fun to learn yeah. more about these things. I just had a thought, Travis. Maybe our next Patreon outing is Scotty's Fun Park followed up by a UFO watching in oh. the Payson area. Oh, you know, that's not a bad thought. <laughs> I know, <Chris>. right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring back this this sky watching parties. Yeah, go some somewhere where it's nice and dark, and we can get a good look. Yep. Maybe uh, maybe a couple telescopes. I don't particular personally own one, but I'm sure someone does. Yeah. So um, I think that may be that what be we need to look night. at. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. if you're if you're on the Patreon side, keep your ears, ears peeled. And uh, maybe maybe even if you're a Patreon member, I'll take you to the exact site of where that UFO touched down. In the 80s. Get some, some EMF reading to see if it's still Ooh. residually around there. Now you're thinking, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, that is a look at our 12 episodes of season one. A couple other things, Traps. First thing I want to mention, we've done a lot of work on this and had a lot of fun at the same time. But if you were to take your favorite episode out of those 12, what would it be? I really enjoyed the bars and churches. I I, I, I liked how you, I did, had no idea you were going to go the direction you went on doing the analytical approach. And it was so fun to see those statistics, and it, it it had a lot of just gave a lot of facts to a lot of the speculation and a lot of the thoughts, and added a whole new dimension to that discussion, which I really appreciated, Chris. How about you? You know, I'm looking at the list right now, and the one that caught, I do agree with the bars and churches. However, the one that I think that I enjoyed the most was the fire episode, because really examining how these fires in the Quincy area went, and especially when we were able to break it down with uh, inflation estimates with today's numbers. Yeah, that was and, good and taking too. a closer look at what those would be in today's world if they would happen. Uh, really, uh, it was eye-opening to have you know two major events happen in Quincy that were over $10 million in today's world. So I, I you know, if I was to put, to put my hat on it, it would be that one. But you know, we had so much fun with Jennifer, and we had fun with Rodney, yeah. and Chad, and Nancy, and, and Terry as well we've had so many awesome guests this season that it's been uh, such a blast with all these episodes so it's really hard to make it number one uh but if i was going to give one on the analytical scale i think the fire one would definitely be up there for me so going on to season two chris what can we expect a lot. We have a lot going on for season two. We're excited. We're going to be bringing uh, just as many uh, co-hosts and uh, special guests in for season two as we did last season. We're bringing in uh, some people that you know, actually a lot of people that you know. We'll be talking with them about different subjects. We're going to be digging into some deep ones too, uh, such as uh, something that's been brought up numerous times with us is that Michael Swango. That'll be coming up yes. real early in season two. And we'll also be... Uh, 
diving into another very tragic event that happened in the Quincy area, and that was the airplane crash that happened in Baldwin Field. That's another right. significant event that happened in the Quincy area, and we're going to get into the details about that. But we're going to have fun as well as we uh, dive into the lighter side of things. And one of the things we're very excited about, speaking of maybe the lighter side, maybe the scarier side, is our October is going to be quite a fun one, Travis, as we're going to be diving deep every week. We're not doing a bi-weekly. We're doing every week of October. We are going to have a Halloween episode coming your way. It's going to be exciting, right? It's going to be wild, Chris. It's going <laughs> to be wild. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So those are some of the things we're looking at. So be looking for that in the coming weeks. And Travis, a couple other things I do want to bring up before we wrap up this episode. We are going to do a contest giveaway next season. We always ask for these and we, we want you to still be a part of it. And we thought, what a better way for you to be a part of it than to give you a t-shirt. We're bribing you. We are bribing you. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> we are bribing you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we do the return liners. We, we really want some more of those we had some very fun ones this past season kevin anderson's a perfect example of that his his was one of the the best so far so far but what we're gonna do is here's the deal so between now and the end of season two if you send us a return liner to our number which is 612-666-WILD which i think is the Mm 94-53 yeah if you send us a return liner and we pick it out this season as the funniest we have to use it so we'll have 12 to you to pick from we use your use your return liner and we decide at the end of the season that you were the class a number one return liner we will get you a wild quincy t-shirt at the now, end now of the it, season does it have to be funny or does it just have to be memorable it's got to be the one it's got to be the one that sticks out doesn't have to be okay. funny but okay. it has to be the one that sticks out of the crowd so that's that's the where the bar is yes. that's where the bar is yeah All so right. think kevin anderson's uh stay stay wild my friends in in figure that that's your benchmark <laughs> for for go. next season so be giving us those return liners 612-666 wild and travis before we wrap up i'm going to do this because it's very important without the support of our patreon members we would not be doing this uh, because those are the guys that help us uh give us the support give us the financial needs to do it so i want to go through the list real quick because we are so proud of those that yes, have decided please. to make that jump so we want to thank uh, jordan losher amy young amanda Van Ness, as well as uh, Evil Girl. What's her name again? <laughs> oh, you're going to put me on the yeah, spot. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Evil Girl. We'll say Evil Girl. Sorry, I know your name, but uh, I don't have it on the list with me. Uh, Ken Ward, Scott Hudson, Kevin Anderson, Cindy Sexton, the savants of golfing for Putt-Putt, as well as Bobby Harrison and Jerry Miller. So thank you guys so much for being a part of the Wild Things group and helping us with not only financial support, but helping us pay the bills as well. Travis, I think we've officially wrapped up this season one, but I have to ask, are we missing anything? Absolutely. We'll, we won't remember what we're missing until next week, Chris, but it will be, it'll be something special. Nonetheless, uh, speaking of next week. Yes. That was the thing we're missing is that, uh, guys, speaking of this Patreon thing, we do. So there's 12 regular episodes of the podcast that you've been able to listen to. There's 12 episodes of the Patreon the bonus episodes, the after hours of it's of the other Watch half of the pie. You're you're getting half a pie, and you can have the again. whole dang thing. <laughs> don't just don't just don't just savor that one slice. Get the big mommy daddy fork out, and let's go crazy <laughs> on this pie. <laughs> 
So here's what we're going to do. As we mentioned this earlier, we have a bunch of great episodes, but one of them that really stuck out was our interview and our discussion with Jennifer McIntyre. So we are going to give you guys a little sneak peek behind the curtain, and next week we will have a special bonus episode of Wild Quincy coming your way as we will throw the bonus After Hours episode with Jennifer McIntyre on the regular podcast. So get a sneak peek and get a little flavor of that extra piece of the pie mm-hmm. that you're missing mm, good <laughs> mm, it's so good travis it's been a fun season we've enjoyed it i've enjoyed working with you and i'm looking to many more in the future that's right chris thanks so much it's been a fun ride everyone and we can't wait to start hitting things up on season two of wild quincy for travis hoffman i am chris ketters you've been listening to wild quincy we'll catch you next season take care everybody